What's going on, everybody? This is Glenn from The Raw Talk, your favorite host, and I am here to talk to you about Anchor, the platform that I use to record and upload all of my podcasts. Uh, If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it's free. So you know me, easy and free. That's what I like. There are creation tools on this platform that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you to all platforms so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money also from your podcast, which is a super good benefit with no minimum listenership. So, boom, get that in there. But I wanted to say that it is everything that you need from a podcast in one place. Easy, convenient, free. You can make money. It's a no-brainer. Why don't you guys head over to the website today and check it out. Go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, what's going on, guys? We are back again tonight. It is December 30th, uh, New Year's Eve, Eve, second to last day before 2021, and we are back on the Raw Talk. This is Season 1, Episode 2, and I am here with my boy Brandon. Uh, Got him on. I wanted to take a second to thank him for taking some time out of his day to come talk to me. And uh, Brandon, I told you a little bit earlier about what the show's about. Uh, just trying to like provide a platform for our younger listeners. Um, obviously, just wanted you to come on to pick your brain. I know that you're a pretty interesting person. You have a lot of experience. So you just want to hop on and uh, dive right into it. Give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, man. Sounds pretty great. I appreciate you for having me on. Um, like I said, my name is Brandon. Uh, last name Flint. Pretty well known about around the Stokesdale area in North Carolina. Um, 27 years old, 27 years young. Uh, originally from Greensboro, North Carolina. Lived here through high school, went to high school at Northwest. Um, then uh, right after high school, I thought it'd be a great idea to join the military. And the inspiration behind that was I was laying in bed at 19 years old. I'd been smoking weed, and I was laying there watching this movie called uh, <clears throat> Battlefield Los Angeles, which is where they fight the aliens. Yeah. And I thought, for whatever reason, I could do that. So I went and saw a recruiter. I, well, at first, I grabbed my mom and said, while I was high, I want to join the military. So three months later... I left for basic training. So let me let me take you back a second. Before you had that epiphany when you were watching, mm-hmm. what, what movie was it? I'm sorry. Battlefield Los Angeles. Yeah, that's what the aliens seen that. Uh, before you were watching that movie, man, what what kind of jobs were you doing before the military? Like, I'm, I mean, um, when we were younger, we just do like little shit jobs. Like through high school and stuff, I worked at restaurants. Uh, when I was a senior, I was a bus boy uh, at a restaurant called Stoke Ridge Tavern and Grill. Before that, I Worked a total of three shifts at Subway in Oak Ridge. The only reason I worked got three shifts in was because my girlfriend worked there and she got me a job. But I found out I was a terrible uh, Subway make sandwich maker. You're not a, you're I was not terrible. No, like it was terrible. A, a sub, a sub connoisseur. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, um, a sub mixologist, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. and then before I left the military, I worked at this place called Bill's Pizza Pub in Oak Ridge, where I uh, helped cook pizza and also was a waiter. And I did that for like six seven months before i left okay so a lot of your experience comes from waiting table restaurant and restaurant restaurant yeah so yeah i know you probably didn't have a chance to listen to my first podcast but i talked a little bit about my background too and you know i started at a young age working um and kind of because i understood the value of a dollar from coming from parents who didn't know how to save money exactly yeah so i saw how we came up broke and how we had to miss holidays and you know they provided more for my younger brothers because they were obviously younger so To me, I always, uh, at a young age, knew the value of a dollar and knew um, the value of hard work. So, you know, I was out with buddies shoveling snow, uh, mowing lawns. And I think that those opportunities come a little bit easier when you're up north because I mean, you have mm-hmm. one more season. So even raking leaves. But after that, um, we went before I was in college and high school. You know, I worked at Bojangles and McDonald's. And then a lot of my more experienced times came when I was waiting tables. Yeah. So what I talked about a little bit on the first podcast was from waiting tables like what i found 
And what I took away from that job was the ability to network with people because I didn't know the importance of mm -hmm. networking essentially, right? Yeah. So to me, what I kind of uh, put that back into and wrapped it around was college. Um, when I went to college, it's like I didn't network enough and being where I am now, I know the importance <clears throat> of networking. So like, what is one value that you took away from, you know, the restaurant industry that you were able to, you know, utilize in later on in your life after the military? Um, I mean, obviously there wasn't a lot. I think it was just more or less trying to be independent. Uh, growing up, my family was low middle class. So I experienced every holiday. Um, I didn't have that uh, non-satisfaction of not getting gifts and stuff. And I, but I still got spoiled from here and there. You could, my, you could definitely tell my parents were having better months than others because we'd get more some days it was, or some months it was less. So, uh, I would, I wanted to say money management, but money management was something that I still and still progressing towards as a 27 year old. Yeah. I mean, I didn't in the military, my job back after the military, I, you know, I still had problems with money management. So I wish I could say it was money management, but it, it was probably just being independent yeah. more or less anything. Okay. So you wait at tables, you're in the restaurant industry, you watch a movie one day, yeah. you roll over and like, damn, I want to go pick up a, a gun and like, shoot aliens. Yeah. But you're not fighting. I mean, you are fighting aliens, but you're not really fighting. Yeah. Aliens. So essentially like, was that a drive in you that made you want to do like serve the country? Like, like what was it? Besides uh, the movie? Honestly, it wasn't even that I have two uncles that were both military. One was army EOD. And then I had an uncle that was in the Navy. So I went to my uncle that was in the army. He was still in his last couple of years before he was retiring out. And I said, you know, uncle uh, Heath, I want to join the military. I want to join the army and do exactly what you do. And he said, nah, fuck that. Don't do that. Join the air force. And I was like, why? And he goes, they just have a better lifestyle. Uh, cost of living's easier. You know, they can do a lot more. The pay is better. Um, in some places, um, just daily lifestyle is better being in the air force. And it, it turned out to be true. But, uh, so I, took his word for it. And I went to a recruiter and air force recruiter and took all the necessary tests and everything. And, you know, left out for the military as a, it was what was called then security forces. And I think I believe it's still called security forces now, but then I only did a little bit of that before I did a uh, combat medic stuff too. Okay. So overall, how long were you in the military? How many deployments? I know you were on deployment once yeah. or twice. Uh, four. Four times? Sorry. Yeah. Damn, four. Shit. Yeah. So you're deployed four times. How many years were you in the military? Uh, six years. Six years. So yeah. what, what's like the best place you've ever been? The best place I've ever been was Brazil. Uh, I was, this is funny. I'm, I was president elect Joe Biden's um, personal medic for while well, he's in Brazil for the world cup in 2013. Really? He stayed for a whole day. Uh, I was there for two weeks because it was, it seemed much more uh, less expensive for the military for us to just stay the two weeks instead of flying out after he uh, flew out because the tickets costed so much to fly out of Brazil. So I got to live two weeks, worked one shift as his medic for eight hours. Um, and then he left. And then I spent the rest of two weeks just enjoying my time in Brazil. So it was fun. Interesting. So you went to Brazil, you were on, you were active duty at the time mm -hmm. and you were just supposed to be down there for a detail for now president elect Joe Biden. Yeah. Did you get to meet him? Yes. I've met Joe Biden, uh, president Obama and Trump. Oh, so out of those three, and rocket talk. I mean, we could talk politics, uh -huh. but out of those three, I mean, who, who do you like most? And not not from your political standpoint. Yeah. I'm talking about from um, human like interactions. I would say the most conversational was probably President Trump. Really? And then President Obama was right behind him when it came to conversation. They both came up and greeted me and talked to me for him briefly. Um, both those are when I was working security detail for uh, Air Force One. Um, so it was pretty cool. Um, I never had any, I, you know, Joe Biden probably said two words to me. I think he said, really? I think he thanked me for my service. That was about it. And, and then he went on with his day. Um, but pro, both pro president Barack Obama and president Trump have, you know, talked to me before. Um, they were both brief too, but you know, they, you could tell they could, they genuinely wanted to step aside to just see how I was doing and everything. Um, so it was pretty cool. I did a personal security for air force one for president Trump when he was visiting in, I believe it was Mooresville, New Jersey, North Jersey. So it was pretty cool. It's his private airport that he usually flew to before he was president. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool. I got to go there. And then I actually got my favorite memory from the military is the fact that I got to shit on Air Force One. <laughs> you took a shit on Air yep, Force One. Because I was in the vehicle doing security for it. And there was the airport bathroom was closed. And I luckily one of the guys, it's called, they're called Ravens. They do, um, 
their personal Air Force One security for the plane that travels with the with Air Force One. Yeah. Um, their Air Force, and then like I said, their Air Force. They're in the same crew foot I used to be in, so I knew one of them. Wow. So it was late at night, and he let me go to his bathroom on there. He just told me not to make a mess. See, that that's crazy because not I mean not, I was gonna say not many people, but the majority of people will never see the inside. Of yeah. Air Force One. And yeah. You and like ninety eight percent of people, sorry, ninety nine percent of the population will never see inside of that plane. That is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So. Your military time comes to an end. What? So, what's your mind thought and your process while you're in the military? Like, are you thinking in the moment, like what you're going to do next? Or are you thinking five, ten years ahead? Like, no, how are you I'm thinking the next day. Literally, my mindset's always been: I, the military trains you to be different. Military trains you to be like ahead of the gun, mm-hmm. uh, one step or two steps in front of everyone else. But my mindset's always been: I'm a last minute kind of person. So, people when people think the military. You know, they generally don't think of the same mindset that I have. I get everything done and I get everything done in a timely manner, but I do it last minute. Um, so I had no plan when I was getting out. I had, it was probably four months before I got out of the military that I actually figured out what I was going to do when I got out. So the, like while you're in the military, do you think that you're staying there for your entirety, like your life? Like, do you think you retire in the military? I, I joined the military with the aspect that I was going to do my six years and then get out. And the longer I stayed in, the more I enjoyed the military and the more I loved it. But because of other circumstances, I felt it was best for me to go ahead and get out because my son was back here in North Carolina and I was stationed up in New Jersey and military. You kind of can't tell them, Hey, I want to go be stationed in North Carolina. It's kind of, you do what we tell you to do. That's the mindset. And that's, you know, I already knew that going into it, but you know, my priorities were to come back to North Carolina and I knew the only way I could do that is if I got out. But I mean, I probably would have done 20 years if, uh, circumstances would have been different. Yeah. So you're looking, you make a, you know, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I know everyone's different when they do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, personally, I think that I tried to look like five years and I think five years are just way too far out and I try to pull it back in. I'm so, like a year. A year. year. I look at, I want to, I look at like where I want to be at a year from now. Yeah. Um, For military, it was like a year from now, I want to be staff sergeant mm-hmm. or a year from now, I want to be, see a uh, close precision engagement team certified, which is the air force version of sniper. Mm-hmm. I did all this stuff that I was like, from year now I want to do this. That's the farthest I ever look out. Cause it's the most reasonable to me. Um, everyone has a five-year plan, but what's the likelihood of you remembering your five-year plan five years later? You know what I mean? Unless it's something that's like extremely important to you and your, in your heart. And like, you've been wanting all your life, the likelihood of you remembering your five-year plan five years later is slim unless you're in like college or something. For me, it was more likely and I could see results and not have that feeling that I wasn't getting anywhere or wasn't getting my five-year plan if I just did a one-year plan because then I would see results. Yeah. Or if I didn't see results, then I would, you know, regroup and figure out what I really wanted to do. So as a person and from us talking, like you like to set attainable goals yeah. and not try to plan too far out. Exactly. So it's funny because we're opposite because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that I try to look a little bit too far into the future mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, it's a catch 22, man, because if you're looking a year, uh, you can easily achieve what you put out there and set your goals as you know, but in yeah. five years, it's really kind of hard to determine where you want to be. Yeah. You know, like for me, it's like, you know, I want to be in a yacht with, you know, topless girls all over the yeah. place. You, no, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, I guess you're saying. So in five years, I, I think that, you know, everyone's different. That's why, you know, I like to bring different people on here to figure out what they do. So, Military comes and, you know, your time's winding down there. Uh, you said that you got out of the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, you took some time off. No, I separated from the military. Technically, I separated from the military on uh, March 16th, 2019. But I took 16 days of um, terminal leave so I could come home and start the police academy. So on the there's only 29 days in February. So on 29, February 29th, I drove home from with a... Uh, well, actually, I drove home in my personal car from Jersey to North Carolina, got to my parents' house the 1st of March, started the police academy, which was a Thursday. And then I on Friday, I had police academy. And then on Saturday, I had to fly back up with my mom to grab the U-Haul, drive back down on Sunday. And then I was right back in the police academy starting Monday. So essentially no days I had off, man. absolutely zero days off. So let, let me, let, let's take a step backwards. Did you go to college or did you know at a young age that, you know, you wanted to go to college or that you didn't want to go to college? Like talk, talk to me about when you were younger, like while you're working in the restaurant industry, uh, like what shifted in your mind? Like what were you thinking about 
like, were you thinking about going to college? Did you not want to go to college? I know you said the military just came to you one day. But yeah. Like, what does it look like for you? I thought about going to college, and I wanted to go to college for the wrong reasons, which, in my opinion, was sports. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't an honestly, it was not an it wasn't an unattainable goal. It was reasonable, um, but I'm the type of person that either I'm putting all my effort into something or I'm putting bare minimum effort. Yeah. And the more I spent time playing sports, the less effort I ended up putting into it. So the outcome was the same. I didn't get anything out of it. So when I knew I wasn't going to get a scholarship for sports, my you know mindset to go to uh, college was just not there anymore. So I didn't go to college until I joined the military when they were paying for it for me. And then I went because it benefited me. So then you, you go to college while you're in the military? Yeah. So what did, what did you come in? Did you get a degree? I have yet to finish my associates, but it's uh, I'm in process so finishing. So yeah, you started it. Yeah, I didn't just I, military was just I was so busy that I yeah, didn't have time to actually go to classes every single you know week and stuff. So I had to take them in small portions online and sometimes in person classes. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the military paints a picture, and I'm not trying to bash it, but they paint a picture to younger kids um, who might not be doing so well in high school or don't really yeah. have a life plan. They paint this picture of hey. You know, we're going to throw a bunch of money at you. Look, you can come in as an officer. We'll pay for your school. And, uh, you know, I, I can't remember what else they offered me when I was younger. But I think that they kind of paint this picture for them. And, you know, from your experience, and obviously you've dealt with a recruiter before, is like what kind of guidance would you give someone like a struggling high school student yeah. who is graduating high school who doesn't know their way in life yet that's trying to figure out what they really want to do? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what, what do you say to them? So like someone that like is – possibly thinking about joining the military or someone that's getting told from a recruiter, you know, that this is all great and all that. And um, I'd say that nine times out of 10 recruiters are actually very beneficial and they're not going to just, they don't have a quota. I know that's a stereotype that a lot of people say is that recruiters have a quota because there's at one point I was going to be a recruiter, but I decided not to. Um, They don't have a quota. They don't have a certain amount they have to get. Um, They, it looks good on them when they get them to their leadership, but it doesn't, hurt them if they don't get someone one day and they only, they'll only get certain amount of people in a month or a week or whatever. Um, I would definitely say weigh all your options. Uh, military benefit me in plenty of ways and it did me wrong and I have absolutely zero ways, but it all, it's always different for everybody. Um, some people have the mindset that they're going to go join the military and take advantage of all the things that they have to offer, which is free healthcare, free school, actually really good pay. Um, even free healthcare for kids and your, your significant other, if you're married and all yeah, that. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, um, the VA loan, I mean, I get a, I have a nice VA loan that I can use where I can buy a house now with at 27 years old, which I didn't think was obtainable because my parents didn't buy, buy their first house until like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a VA loan and it's zero money down, very low interest. Uh, so, and, and you're in the process of looking at houses now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm about to be 30 this year, and I mean, I've never owned a house. Yeah, and that kind of that scares me. And I think. And a good example is my brother, who is stationed out, and he joined after I did Air Force as well. He's stationed out in Florida, and he just he's now closing his first house, and he is 24 years old. Jeez. Man. Yep, through the VA loan. I mean, I, I people are always so worried that like the military is going to mess you up and all that. And it's, it's very unlikely that you'll ever see combat in the military. Um, only certain jobs. Well, you'll see military. Um, Unless your name's Steven and you're a power trooper and seen like what, five, five yeah, words that dude did. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. God, um, I want to get him on one time. Yeah. He, I think I need a lot longer than 30 minutes with his ass because he yeah. will just go on. So, but you know, there's a lot of benefits. I got to travel the world for free. Um, got to see great places. I got to see not so great places, but do not so great things. But at the end yeah. of the day, it's, there's a lot of benefit for me. How I looked at it was there was a lot more benefits, a lot more positive things than negative things when it came to the military. But it's all, like I said, the, it always different. It's always different per person. Yeah. So, you know, what were some resources that got you through some of, you know, your military time or the hardest times in the military, man? Um, I think the best thing was like, you'll never go to another job and find that the camaraderie slash brotherhood or sisterhood, like, that you'll ever find anywhere else. I mean, I, my best friends to this day um, are people that I served with. Like my closest friend, he's in Miami. That's where he lives. And I talk to him every single day. Like it's nothing's changed. Um, I, we had a house together, uh, we apartment together, all this stuff. Yeah. Like my closest friend, we went on all four of our deployments together. Um, absolute best friend in the world. And you meet, you just meet absolutely great people uh, that can help you and anything that you need. I mean, 
I have brothers and sisters for life because of the military now. So how old were you when you got out of the military? I was 25. So it, it appears that through your 25 years, you probably wouldn't have done anything differently. No, I wouldn't have done absolutely nothing differently. Even, wow. yeah, I mean, even after I, it gets around the 25 to 27 time frame that I probably do things a well, little bit let's, differently. Let's talk about that. Now. Okay. We got, we got a little bit of time. We got about 10, 15 minutes left that we can talk about this. So okay. Let's blast through it. So I, following, I told you, following uh, military, I immediately joined the police academy at a department I won't name. Um, and I did about, I, you know, went to the police academy and did good to the police academy, graduated, um, and then did about a year and six months out on patrol. And this is probably where I would say like social media can be your enemy and it can be your enemy too, when it comes to any job you're in. Um, so this is something that can be definitely used, whether you're working construction, whatever your boss or whoever is going to see your social media <laughs> at some point. Um, I was using an app and it was called TikTok and I got, it turned out to get really big on TikTok, uh, had over 50,000 followers, but so you got kind of TikTok famous. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I had a big head from all the followers I had. And of course you did dude. with the amount of women on that app that probably were liking your shit. Dude. Yeah. There is a thing called badge bunnies. So what is that? badge bunnies are girls that specifically fall in love with men that have badges. Uh, as cops. Well, I've always wondered because I've seen yeah. on TikTok like every cop, like I mean, they're they're good looking, but they always have a shit ton of followers. Yeah, so. and it's because of badge bunnies. <sighs> That's crazy. So you wound up getting super big on on TikTok. Yeah, and, and then for unagreeable uh, reasons, uh, I resigned from that department because they didn't like the fact that I was getting so big. They felt yeah. that it was a, a social media violation, but when I called them out on it, it you know, they just asked me to resign, which, you know, it's their, the chief can ask, tell me, can tell me to do anything that he wants me to do. And so I resigned, but that's probably the only thing I would, you know, a piece of advice I'd have for someone in this day and age is be cautious of what you do post on social media. Even if you do like mine was nothing that was racist, pol political, sexist, uh, yeah. you know, any, anything, anyone could be affinity was just funny videos that I thought would humanize the badge. But like people see things in different aspects all the and, time. And that's a good way to look at it, man. It's like you were trying to bring, um, you were trying to humanize. Just humanize the badge, yep. and, and, you know, I see it all the time now. You look at the news and, and you turn it on and you're seeing, um, I just saw yesterday that 15-year-old uh, who is now 18, uh, she got her learner's permit and was making a Snapchat and said the N-word. And it was like three seconds long. She was like rapping a song. Someone recorded it from when she was 15. Mm -hmm. She turned 18, got into the, the University of Tennessee, and someone sent that video to them. And they reneged on the scholarship offer and they said that she can't attend that school. So, I mean, in the age of the digital world that we live in, man, anything can be found. Social media can make or break you. Absolutely, man. I mean, a good example is an officer I worked with. You know, he got let go for the same reasons. Um, he started GoFundMe, made a stupid amount of money from his GoFundMe. And now he's on all these talk shows and everything. Really? So, he, I mean, it can make or break you. For me, it broke me. For him... You know, it's a way of making because he now he's got his own business with the money that was donated to him. Yeah. He's uh, his music career is on. I guess you could say up and coming. Um, he was a good dude. I mean, yeah. he got put in the same situation. He had a lot more limelight than I did. Like he was much more in the spotlight than me. Of course. But you know, like I said, make or break you. I mean, yeah. I looked at it as like you know, I still have my law enforcement certification, so I can go work at other departments if I really want to. So. When something that pivotal happens in your life, like how do you pick yourself up by your bootstraps? Like what gets you through to the next day when something like that? I, I don't want to say catastrophic. No, catastrophic. People, yeah, it is. It is. And it was. You get to a point where you're like, I'm not good enough to work at somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then you think that your life is not going to go anywhere with the emphasis that people put on resumes now, yeah. which is bullshit. So, um, so tell me about it, man. Like how, how do you pick yourself well, up? Well, to be fair, this was the first job I'd ever, and I know I was actually fired, but forced to leave yeah. because of a disagreement. Um. So that was new for me. And the first time you ever experience like failure, whatever, a negative aspect of something, it hits you. And the first, the hardest thing to do is get past it. Yeah. I mean, I thought for months after it happened uh, that, you know, what could I have done things differently? How could I have handled this better so I wouldn't be in this spot situation? Mm -hmm. It wasn't a situation where I wasn't making money or nothing like that. I mean, I'm saying go to a job and make more money than law than being in law enforcement. So let's be real. Law enforcement's not a job. People don't get into law enforcement because of the money. They get in law enforcement because for me personally, it was the adrenaline. 
I love yeah. the drill. I love being out and about. I love not being behind a desk and stuff like that. I mean, six years of military, I'd never really sat behind a desk. Yeah. So I wanted something with that similar aspect of a, a brother, sisterhood as well. I think the worst part was, you know, getting over that first hump, which was realizing that it, some things are just out of your control. I guess that's a good way to look at it. So, yeah. So what's, what's, you know, what is one of the crazy, I don't know if you could talk about it or not, but what's like one of the craziest things that you, that you've seen that, from being a cop, man, like on the streets, dude? Um, uh, over my year and a half, I came to a couple homicides. There was a homicide beginning of the year mm-hmm. where a lady had killed her, her three-year-old niece, sorry, four-year-old niece her, her 11-year-old daughter and her 63-year-old boyfriend. Um, Shot them all both in the head, point blank, execution style. And that was hard for me because I have a do- I have a son the same age as that four-year-old yeah. uh, niece. Um, that was definitely something that kind of struck me pretty hard. And that was on the f- January 1st. So that was like when you were new. Yeah. Well, that was – no, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was new. It was when I was new on my new squad. I'd been on patrol since August. So yeah. I was – I mean, I was still on the newer side, but I wasn't like first day out the door new. Like some people that I was there with. Um. That was tough. Homicides are always tough. Uh, I wouldn't have, besides that, I wouldn't say anything else really got to me in a sense where I couldn't sleep. But besides that, I mean, I mean, I've been to a couple homicides and stuff like that. Foot chases, vehicle pursuits, drew, uh, drew my gun a couple bunch of times, actually. Um, had a knife swung on me, mm. all sorts of stuff. I mean, poked with a needle. You got poked with a needle? I think poking with a needle was probably the scariest one because some, something like that, like, I can be stabbed and I'll recover. But if I get poked with a needle and it's a disease that, you know, either is it yeah, doesn't fine. have a cure yet or something yeah, like that. You're, you're done. Yeah, exactly. I can't work in law enforcement. I don't know what I'll do. I'll, I'm, the possibility of my health going downhill is very, was very likely. So it was, yeah, it was, that was probably the scariest thing for me. So how, you walk up on a homicide, man. And mm-hmm. I mean, we're coming up on 26 minutes, so we're probably going to do a part two because mm-hmm. we got four minutes left on this on this podcast. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just wrap this up with a question, and then we'll just finish 10 minutes on the next one. Yeah. So how do you disassociate from seeing that kind of violence in society? You know, you walk up on a scene, you're on a homicide, and my brother's a paramedic, so, you know, he talks about what he, he does, but yeah. I don't know how it affects him. So, like, I, how do you – disassociate that from your everyday life man uh the hard i mean it's gonna sound bad um eventually you know in a weird way you start to build immunity to it and you really do if you see something so much at, and so often you kind of like i can only manage me a cop in detroit or yeah. chicago those cops have to build immunity to it and let make sure that they focus on most important part, which is their job and not let side feelings and side emotions take mm-hmm. over because one, that's how you get people killed. And that's how you lose your job. So, um, I mean, rolling up on something like that, it was definitely something where I, you know, really had to bite my tongue because the mom lived and everything. She tried to do uh, death by cop, um, but so, it ended up not working. So she committed the homicide and then tried to commit suicide by getting killed by a cop. Yeah, which is, yeah, which was what she was trying to do, but so it ended up not happening. You had arrested? Yeah, she got arrested. She, it took, law enforcement too long to get there because she, she called her brother who was incarcerated who was the dad of her niece said i just killed your daughter and we had trouble finding the house because he didn't know the exact address it turns out she ended up leaving because it's we took too long goes down the road wrecks her car and gets picked up on the side of the road so okay well we're coming up on 30 minutes yeah um we'll, we'll pause it here um we'll get everything together and we're gonna just go right into the next segment Sounds good. Probably won't call it, uh, take too long, but if you keep listening, that was part one. We thought we were going to get everything done in 30 minutes, but uh, when me and Brandon get in a room together, we just talk, and he's a super interesting person. So when he talks about his career, I like to ask questions that I really didn't have planned out. So this is part one. We're going to go ahead and push part two out too. So uh, if you like it, share, subscribe. And uh, Brandon, you want to tell them that we're working on a podcast too together? Yeah, we got a podcast real quick. We got a podcast. Um, it's called The Fairly Odd Show. It's all things sports and more. Um, there's no holding back. Anything is off. Anything's fair play. Talk shit. Do whatever you want. Um, that'll be dropping every what Wednesday and Sunday. I, I think Wednesday and Sunday. Wednesday yeah. Twice a week. Um, go follow us on Instagram. It's The Fairly Odd Show. Um, go look at our Patreon. It's uh, also The Fairly Odd Show. Um, we'll be on Spotify and Apple Music. So be on the lookout for that.
and it's a, a lot, obviously a lot different from this, man. Yeah. So I'm excited to work with you. This was part one. We're getting part two coming. All right, what's going on, everyone? Back to the Raw Talk. This is part two with Brandon. Uh, we got carried away on part one. We thought we could yeah, wrap everything up in 30 minutes, but it's like the saga. Joe Dirt, the saga of Joe Dirt. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, just to give you a little recap, we were talking with Brandon here, a good buddy of mine, uh, talking about his, what's up, man? We just had a visitor. Talking about his experience in the military, talking about the police department, talking about uh, social media, the ups and downs of social media. So after the police department, man, we've talked a little bit about some stories. What did you do after um, your mutual separate separation from uh, the police department? Um, I took a job at a company working uh, sales, as technically more specific car sales. I uh, worked there for about three months, and then today I actually quit. So you just quit your job today? Today, yep. Told him I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't wasn't enjoying the job, and I left. <laughs> Hold on. Did you have anything lined up? Man, just no, like... no. Sometimes you just got to wing it. Uh, I knew the job was causing me to be, you know, not necessarily depressed, but I was extremely unhappy doing it. It was a lot of hours for a little pay. I always knew there was a better opportunity for me out there doing something else. Mm. I have a lot back to fall back on. Yeah. Um, so it, it just made the most sense for me to quit because – I can go to school, like another benefit, like I said, the military, I can go to school full time and the military will pay for my school and then also pay me to go to school. So. So you have a little bit of experience with the military, with the police department, serving the community and then selling cars, selling, selling fucking cars. So it's funny because that my little bit of my experience that I talked about on my episode was um, my background in enterprise rent car, rent car, yeah, cars yeah, I'm talking about that and management, dude. So. Uh, what, what, one thing I try to focus on, dude, and I'm really sales motivated, and I didn't know that until after I got out of school, is, and I want to hear your opinion on this too, is like, do you think when people go out that, number one, they buy a product or they buy an experience? They buy an experience 100%. So you agree with me because that's kind of what I said. Is, yeah. I said, you know, you have like a HelloFresh, and what's another like delivery service that they send food to your house, HelloFresh? What, like DoorDash? No, like when they have the home prep meals. Um... I have no idea. Fresh, I know HelloFresh. That's about it. Yeah. So, I mean, what is the difference in those companies? They sell the same product. I mean, it's literally the experience, you know? So yeah. for my my episode, I tried to tailor it around people who are more sales oriented and networking to just let them know that at the end of the day, a product's a product. Man. Mm -hmm. You're selling experience. And that really goes for social media and personal life too, man. With yeah. dating too, it's like, you, obviously you work out, you try to look good for mm -hmm. women. But at the end of the day, it's like everyone ages, everyone gets old. Yeah. The substance stays with you. So, like, exactly. If you're able to sell an experience, and you know, I'll take it a step further. Is no matter what your resume looks like, if you can sell yourself in an interview, you're going to wind up getting a job. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might not like that job, but at the end of the day, if you have the people skills, the networking skills, and the ability to sell yourself and sell um, intangible products or objects, man, mm -hmm. like that in and of itself goes a long way. So, got off on a little hinge there, man. No, you're good. So, you left the car dealership. You yep. said, fuck it. I'm out of here. Did you just leave or you just told him that you were bouncing? I talked with the manager. Um, he understood where I was coming from. I told him my sales weren't bad. I think that I was doing well. Um, I just wasn't happy doing it. And I learned um, it's not like the movies. It, it wasn't like I didn't have a fallout plan. It wasn't like a, or a backup plan. It wasn't like I walked in there and I was like, fuck this. I'm done. And then it was like, shit, I got to find a job tomorrow. It was I had a conversation with my girlfriend about it. And we mm. both thought it was a smart idea because one, the job I was just unhappy doing, I was working more hours. Um, sales is one of those jobs where it's high risk, high reward. Yeah. So the more hours and more time you put into it, obviously a lot more money you get out of it. But I feel like it's also more mentally draining. Man, it, because, it really is. Um, you know, I talked about this a little bit is the quotas that people put on you. And I don't know how it is in car sales. It's, it's Yeah, it's the same. You it's, know, having to go to work every day and sell a product and then have a boss that's on top of you pushing a quota down your throat. It's kind of hard for you to be yourself, you know, because you have to meet goals unless you're just a, like a stellar out of the world salesman that can walk in on a first day, sell 15 cars and then, you know, jerk your dick off in the back. Yeah, and there is. 25 days. There is. There was 20 days. like three or four salesmen there that could sell anywhere from 15 to 20 cars. And a lot of it is building um relations yeah um where like you can sell a car to someone um because if someone's there and they're buying a car from the dealership they know what car they want they have 100 attention buying the car yeah. um but what you want is that it then they like you because if they like you not only do they come back and buy a car again but then they start telling their friends and family how mm -hmm. good they had an experience with you which is how 
if I got sales, that was how I got most of my sales because nice. the people that bought from me liked me. So they told their friends and family and their friends and family came to me. So the ultimate takeaway, I would assume that we're talking about here from your experience in car sales is don't risk your mental sanity for a job that's willing and will replace you at the blink of an eye. And that's any, yeah. And that's any job really. I mean, law enforcement did it to me. Military yeah. did it to me. I mean, it's not military didn't do me, do me bad in any way. Law enforcement doesn't actually do me any bad, but you know, they can replace me any second. Well, I mean, Sales can replace you. Any job can replace you. So don't let, don't sit there and think that at the end of the day, like I have to do this job. No, you don't. It's, you know, you, you talk to the right people, you do the right things. Um, you always find, have a fallback plan, no matter what you do. I call it a plan B. Mm -hmm. Um, so you never get stuck in a situation where you feel like you have to do something or, cause it's make or break. Uh, so for me, it was just a perfect time for me to get out of it. And yeah. I'd I had never quit a job before, just like, <laughs> just like I'd never been like, go home a job before I had never quit a job before. So it was nerve wracking for me. So at the current moment, and, and I know that you probably saved money and, um, uh, like, what do you feel right now? Uh, obviously you did it on choice. So it wasn't yeah. like you got fired. I mean, you're not too upset, but. What, what do you feel? You feel relieved, I would assume. Yeah, I feel, I feel, you know, I feel like a lot of weight's off my shoulders right now. And I'm getting a lot of people say that. And, but sometimes it's just actually, you know, the most, the best metaphor you can use. I feel I'm much more relaxed. I don't have to wake up tour and work 11 hours tomorrow and 11 hours the next day and the next day and the next day yeah. uh, with un uninterrupted, you know, days off. I can, you know, focus on what's more important to me. Cause I mean, my favorite motto ever was, you know, you don't really work a day in your life if you love what you do. And then if you work, and if you are working a job where you hate, you feel like it never ends. Yeah. And that's legitimately how I felt at, at doing sales. Don't get me wrong; the people there were great people. Yeah. Um, but you can only work so long yeah. with people that you like. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, and it reverts back to what we said about ten minutes ago: is everyone's replaceable, man. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they're they'll, they'll probably replace me tomorrow. Yeah, and that's the shitty thing, man. It's like you work so hard, and uh, you, you know, you put a sweat equity into a job that you know tomorrow you can go to and you know a resume just having to come across your boss's desk uh, for someone asking two dollars less than you exactly and then get rid of you man so you know like i talked about on my podcast was through my life dude i've had issues with uh, number one i just quit jobs and not show up because i don't give a fuck mm -hmm. and i'm not going to risk my, my mental sanity for a job and that's what it and, was for me yeah and at other times it was just literally i got fired because it wasn't it wasn't working out man like i would you weren't motivated best. Yeah, I would do my best for a week and then the job wasn't challenging enough for me or I was just like, why the fuck am I working these hours making, you know, $10 an hour, mm -hmm. $12 an hour. So at the end of the day, <laughs> like we both just said is the mental sanity thing, uh, you got to figure out, man, because in 2020 and I'm going into the future, I hope more jobs focus around, you know, a fam, like family, the people who are trying to build a family, young individuals uh, that are trying to take time off. And I, I, you know, I hope they get a little bit more lenient and reasonable with some of their requests, but uh, cool, man. So we dove a little bit into your life. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just going to ask you like two questions and then we can kind of wrap it up here. Hit me with them. So, you know, throughout your life, you've done a lot of things. What is one of your biggest failures and you know, what did you learn from that? Um, my biggest failures was definitely the social media. Um, like I said, social media can be something that can be very great uh, if you try to promote something, or it can be very bad if you, you know, get too popular or you say something wrong. Because every I call it Monday Night Quarterbacking. Everybody will look at your videos and they will try and figure out something wrong with it. Yeah. Um, so it all it takes is one thing for someone not to have the same sense of humor as you. And for me, having a military background, I have a very sick sense of fucking humor. <laughs> you learn that when it was yeah. You learn that with up. you learn that with the whole dog situation. So, yeah. oh my God. Uh, but yeah, social media was you know, don't let fame or money, you know, not to say corrupt you, but be your your leading aspect of why you want to do something. And that was my whole TikTok. I wanted to be super famous on TikTok, and who doesn't? I mean. We know talking about our podcast is a good example. Yeah, I mean the money and stuff, the fame and stuff would be nice to go along with it. But the main reason why I, the podcast is important to me is because I just genuinely love sports and, yeah. and talking about anything. I mean, being the having the you know the 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 platform to interview someone you know that's does something different in life or you know makes a stupid much more money for than me yeah. playing sports or doing whatever. I mean, hell, I interview the guy that there's a guy out there that made fifty million dollars for making that filter for the face scanning thing for snapchat yeah 
I'd like to interview him and see what the fuck he was smoking when he made that because it's it's genuinely cool to me. So yeah. uh, I would say the most important thing is don't go using social media to chase fame or money. You know, do what you want to do, and then the rest will follow suit. Okay, I like that. Um, you know what what advice would you give someone who is young trying to find their way in life who is pursuing uh, and I know you've been you've had a couple of jobs so let's just say what advice would you give to someone looking to join the military someone uh, looking to be a police officer and maybe someone you know who wants to sell cars okay so, um, rattle them off. for military I would say the most important thing is look at all the benefits of the military um, don't look at it as the last resort because it can always be you know, they're your first option. Um, and it can be a last resort, you know, well, when I say, look, you know, take on the military, if you're going to join the military, join it for the right reasons. Um, I joined for reasons that were still considered right. And it still benefited me. I just think that you know, if you're going to join the military, make sure you, when you do join, um, make sure you do what you want to do in the military. Cause if you don't do what you want to do in the military, you don't get the job you want. You're going to absolutely hate the military and everything yeah. about it are you required to do like a time limit like four years when yeah on? you do a contract for either four or six years um they offer you more money for six years which is why my 19 year old having ass was like oh an extra fifteen hundred dollars that i thought wasn't going to be taxed uh, but it was taxed okay, so i got like 750 dollars extra on a paycheck yeah, dude. um if you're enjoying the military make sure you get the job that you want to do because i know people that yeah. if they get the job they want to do like my brother they they're going to do 20 years and you're going to love it. You're going to be retired at 40 yeah, four or 45. Whenever you join, you do 20 years in you get to retire and then you can do whatever the fuck you want to do after that. Um, for police, um, don't let media sway you from doing a job that you you know want to do. No one likes to, no one joins law enforcement because they, the money's great. No, uh, you join law enforcement because it's a sense of achievement. It's a sense of adrenaline, whatever you, you like know, that. you want, you want to, you want it for, you want to give the bullshit answer like I gave in the, you know, when I my interview, I joined because I wanted to better my community, which I mean, don't get me wrong, I do, but I'm an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Like I love it. My car chase and everything like that. I lived for it. <laughs> it's a it's a form of a, you know, I yeah, drug it's that's way it's a drug for, for people. So that's from crazy. the military and all that, it's it's legitimate. So don't let publicity stop you from, you know, joining law enforcement. Don't be swayed because of, you know, people not liking law enforcement right now fuck them if they don't like it then that's on them don't get in trouble don't get don't break the law yeah and that was my next point man is like it's so hard to be i think in law enforcement now and even paramedics are getting gunned getting down the yeah street, man so it's hard to really serve your community it's a catch-22 man you always want to do what's right but you're a, you live under you know a fine microscope and everything mm -hmm. that you do you have to second guess yourself so i you know i came from a long line of police officers with my dad his brothers his four brothers were all cops he was a cop um my middle brother is a sheriff in Alamance County, and I know I, I thought it was something I wanted to do, but at a young age, I knew that I had a very, very bad temper. Yeah, and I had and one. I shit. I still have a temper. You know, if someone says the wrong shit to me, I'm gonna fucking say some dumb shit. I'm mm -hmm. gonna turn the the camera off, and it's gonna be like end of watch, and I'm gonna be like, "Yo, come come see me." Like, yeah. I'll take the belt off, and we can throw hands. Yeah. But that's not ethical now, and I think for a lot of people, they need to really weigh the option of becoming a cop because I think a lot of Cops are really good people, man. I think it's just knowing what you can handle. Um, yeah, is a good thing about it. Uh, I have, I mean, but you're able to disassociate, man. Like your yeah. experience in the military was probably beneficial for you because you could disassociate from those interactions with civilians, like yeah. there civilians on the street, man. So and I did for for ninety eight percent of the time. I did. Besides the whole, you know, so, seeing someone, all it takes is seeing a kid get injured or, or dead yeah. that Ooh. will can, can completely mess up certain people. I mean, we had an officer for that homicide leave because of it and they quit law enforcement in general because of it. I can do it, man. So. Um, but if I had to in, bring up something for sales, I would say if you're going to get into sales, you, you got to hundred percent be invested. Cause if you're not a hundred percent invested, it's not one of those jobs where someone's just going to land a fat fucking deal on your table or your yeah. desk and say, Hey, you're welcome. No, you got to go out and you got to scrap for it. it legitimately, you got to put, yeah, you literally do. You got to put all the time and effort into it. I mean, there's a reason why car sales and work 55, 54 hours a week is because you got to earn that paycheck. And if you go to work sales anywhere, you're going to have commission. Yeah. Um, but if you're good at it, I mean, you can make a decent living. I mean, the one of the top salesmen made 14 grand a month. 
Yeah, I mean, that's crazy, dude. And, and, and he worked the same hours as me. Yeah, I mean, and that's probably, like I said, we said earlier, is the ability to communicate got- with people, network, and connect. Because what what's the difference between your cars a lot and the guy, you know, two car lots down to sell yeah. them, the 2021 Ford Bronco? Ford Bronco is the same damn price. People don't come buy cars from us because of the car. They buy the car. They know they already want the car. Yeah. They buy because of you're selling yourself. Like legitimately, like you said, you're selling everything about you. That's why they buy the car. Because they yeah. can go, like I said, they can go buy the same damn fucking truck two, two streets down or right. right down the road for the same fucking price. Customer service is a way of life. Dude. It is. And it, as much as people hate it, I hated it when I was in retail because people were just so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of just want to be like, dude, like how dumb are you? Like you just want to grab them sometimes by the throat and be like, how fucking stupid are you? But I think it's a way of life, man. I think uh, another good piece of advice for sales is if you're going to do it and you're still young and you're still like high school or in college, you know, dip your toes in with sales. Um, because I, one of the top salesmen was 20 years old, seven years younger than me. Yeah. But he killed it and he's going to keep killing it and he's going to stay in sales because he makes six figures a year. Work ethic. Yeah. It's, it's easier to mold someone and know the right way of doing things when you're a young age. Like it was easier for me to learn things in the military because I was 19, 20 years old. And you just turn out robots, dude. I mean, yeah. that's what we call them at enterprise. We're clones. Did you just come out young, hustle, yep. ambitious to work? And you did. You get yeah. A, getting paid you're getting a little bit more than what other people make so you're hitting out there and you know after time you just get burnt out dude and i think by the time when i realized i was burnt out i was just so done yeah and that's how it was for me and it sometimes it hits people quicker sometimes it hits people later for me it would hit me at three months on the fucking dot and, and i couldn't do it no more there's nothing wrong with that bro like yeah. i commend you for being able to walk in and basically telling them you know putting that big dick on the desk and telling them to, to go fuck themselves yeah. essentially because you know why work at a job that you hate man don't don't stay somewhere that you dislike. I mean, obviously, if it's your only option, like if you didn't go to college or, you know, you're stuck at a job and you feel like that's the only place that you can go, tune into my podcast. Man. I'm going to have other people on here from all different trades, you know, and Brandon's actually the first interview I've, I've ever done in my entire life. I knew that he was an interesting person. I wanted to have him on. I uh, quit his job today, so I think yeah. that's pretty damn cool. Um, yeah. Midlife crisis. Yeah, and he's someone that serves the community, man. You've heard through his backstory for the last 45 minutes we've been talking about. And thank you for your service, man. Thank I appreciate you. it. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hate hearing that. <laughs> Why? Dude, it is. You want me to buy you some coffee? <laughs> no. So everyone that you, most people that are in the military, once you've been in for a minute, people hate fucking hearing thank you for your service because it's hard to explain. It's just something that we've always, like I've always hated hearing because like when I'm stateside, I don't do anything differently than other people and I'm getting paid more money to go overseas. Yeah, but you have the potential of losing your life. Yeah, and, but you have the potential of losing your life driving down the street. Yeah, but it's it's different, I think, man. I think anyone who's willing to wake up, whether they watched a movie or not, yeah. and you know, put their life on the line to potentially go to those situations and see friends, you know, and I don't want to wake beams up. I don't know what you see. No, you're good. But you know what I'm saying? Like to see the, that situation, I think just a lot of people have respect for that because I know I can never do it. Yeah, like, no, I'm, I know. I, when I play paintball, I'm, I'm a pussy, dude. I can't even like I hear the shit hitting the thing and I'm just laying there, so I can't even imagine what it would be like. If I'm on the battlefield, shit's going. I, I don't know, and if I'm the only one, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. You yeah, know what I'm saying. So, I, I I get from the outside looking in. So yeah, but uh, let's wrap this up with my my last two favorite questions, man. I know I haven't done uh-huh. interviews before, but uh, this question should be fun for you. Is um, you know, who are three people in your life that have been the most influential and who you look up to? They could be family, they can be social media influencers, um, famous. Just tell me three people that really have shaped you. So. There was this guy, this he was, I want to I say professional athlete, but he did this, he did, he used to do CrossFit and his name was Josh Bridges. Um, good. What's so cool about him is the fact that he's maybe five, seven, five, eight, mm-hmm. mate, well, buck 50, buck 60 at most. Um, fucking shredded. Shredded. Shredded cheese. And he was a Navy SEAL. Oh, bad motherfucker. Tiny dude. Tiniest dude you'll probably ever see. Yeah. But one of the most badass motherfuckers you'll ever see. And two of my you know, people I looked up to were Navy SEALs. Was one was him, and two was another SEAL that I met when I was deployed, who just had the craziest backstory. I won't get into it for legal yeah. reasons, but well, talk to him see if he wants to get on. Shit, I'll get him on here. I still know him. So <laughs> he was most badass dude I ever met. Guy that went into you know combat and everything, and spandex and no shirt and a, a plate carrier that literally covered just the, from his nipples down. Um, Wore a bandana and smoking. Smoking cigars and flip flops with his M4, absolutely fucking badass, dude. That's a savage, dude. And I think my last one, like everyone can say their parents. And yeah, my mom's, you know, big old role model. 
I was, it, I would say it was this lieutenant I used to work with in um, yeah. law enforcement because he was just a guy that like, if I knew shit broke loose and shit went down and he was there, I was good. Mm. I'd follow that fucking dude in the gates of hell. And it was the same for, if I can follow you in the gates of hell, I'm going to fucking, you're a mentor to me. And that's exactly how the other two were. So I think it's just people that, you know, show me that limits aren't actually there. Like you don't have a limit to what you can do. If you want to fucking do it, go fucking do it. Like figure out a way, yeah. you know, have a plan, whether it's your one year, five year plan, fucking year, year, set that fucking plan and do it. And this I actually spoke, I actually spoke to that Lieutenant yesterday and talked in and, uh, He's definitely someone that, like if someone can motivate you to that point where like you don't give a fuck what's going on, you're gonna yeah. fucking do it. So because kind of want to make them proud, make right. them like happy for you, then that's yeah. that's someone that's a good motivator. Well, I heard that. So we'll finish up on uh, on a one question that I want to ask everyone's gonna be like the 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 hook line and sinker for me. Yeah. Always question, man. And uh, it would be I used to ask this on Tinder back when I used to be uh-huh. on there. I'd ask the girls, and, um, and I'll ask you is like. You know, if you were on a stranded island for six months to a year, let's just say a year, right? Mm-hmm. You were given three items. What three items would you have? Uh, I'd have a, f- um, sorry, a fishing rod. Okay. I'd have flint and tinder. You, okay, not not tinder, but tinder. Like yeah, yeah. To start, to start fires. All right. <laughs> and then I would have as much liquor as possible. You could only bring one thing. Oh, fuck. So I can't bring like as much liquor as I want? No. So, I mean, you uh, can bring a barrel, but that's about it. I'd probably bring a barrel. A barrel. And I would just fucking do it, just sip enough to where I can get buzzed a day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit, dude. I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything you want to ask me? Nah, man. I really appreciate you for having me. I'm not interesting to you. I mean, you are, but we'll talk more tomorrow <laughs> on uh, the podcast. Yeah. So, before we go, why don't you just go ahead and, and drop the social media again, how people can find you so, the podcast? Like I said earlier, it's the Fairly Odd podcast. Uh, show not fairly odd parents i, I, I was ready I was to, like, say it. About to say fairly odd parents. so it's the it's a fairly odd show it's you know uh on instagram we're on instagram fairly odd show we're on uh Patre- patreon which is our you can subscribe to there if you want to help support it we have a 20 dollars subscription if you want to do it we don't ask or you don't have to donate anything you don't have to subscribe we're it just helps donations. but it just helps because then we can start doing giveaways and stuff we have five dollar ten dollar subscriptions um, we'll be dropping our our podcast episodes every wednesday and sunday and uh, it's all things sports and anything like I said, anything's up for grabs. And you talk about anything, there's no boundaries. Um, we're gonna want to have, we're gonna interview all sorts of people from all qua- uh, crosses of life, whether you're a damn porn star, mm. competitive bowler, competitive cornhole, yeah, whatever. You could be a cam girl. I don't give a fuck. We'll interview you. Love it. Yeah. Maybe we can get some uh, Twitch people on there. Yeah, exactly. Competitive sports online. Yeah, and they make a shit ton of money too. Oh, hell yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. That's going to wrap up uh, season one, episode two, dude, of the Raw Talk tonight. Did you know it was a full moon? No, I did not full like moon, that. Man. That's probably why you quit your job. You're just like, yeah, hey, dude, something just came over you. Exactly. Appreciate you guys for listening. Like, share. We're always taking donations. Go ahead and donate. Uh, for my podcast, you can go ahead and, and go into the Fairly Odd Show and donate there as well. We're going to be putting uh, content out fairly quickly, and we are going to be doing it uh, two times a week, maybe three now that... Uh, now that I got all this time freed up. up. Yeah, yeah. He's got free time, so uh, look forward to that, guys, and we appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you back here on the next episode of The Raw Talk. Oh, yeah.